0: hi and welcome to veg out the toronto vegetarian podcast this is your weekly discussions of all things vegan and vegetarian in toronto my name is lisa and i'm joined today by steve uh, and also tamer mason who we will uh, introduce shortly but we are all veg and volunteers in the toronto vegetarian association well not tamer um otherwise known as the TVA. We come to you every week from the offices of the TVA heard on CJRU, 1280 AM, The Scope, Ryerson's Campus, and Community Station. If you don't know, the TVA's mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener, and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Tamer Mason, who is a microbiologist, food technologist, and has a background in food and nutrition. Uh, she is a cookbook author, an amazing chef, um, and has a background with uh, Caribbean cooking. So she went vegan in 2006 and found it as an, an exciting and new way to cook. Uh, she's written three cookbooks, uh, Caribbean Vegan, Caribbean Smoothies, and the second edition of Caribbean Vegan, and also wrote Kink Alchemy, which is a recipe guide for DIY natural hair products. So in the uh, first edition of Caribbean Vegan, Tamer, you mentioned that Caribbean uh, cuisine was influenced by like indigenous, African, French, yeah. Spanish, British... Indian cuisines and a a bunch of other cuisines. Can you tell us more about yourself and about Caribbean cuisine? Well,
1: Caribbean cuisine is just not one thing. I think there's a misconception that Caribbean cuisine is jerk. Um, Maybe rice and peas, (laughs) as some people know. Or in Toronto, people know the roti, which is very popular. Uh, Caribbean cuisine is a mixture of over, I would say, like, eight cuisines together, and it happened through immigration, it happened through uh, post-emancipation, after slavery, and it also happened during slavery. So what happened was that after slavery, um, Europe sent in, in two servants um, into the Caribbean, and they came from India. Some also came from Ireland. So you have a mixture of all of these cuisines making up that one cuisine, and sometimes people might not even see the European influence in Caribbean cuisine because there's so much happening. It's so exciting. So they don't see the puddings, they don't see the other things. But um, Caribbean cuisine is made up um, with um, French, Spanish, and whoever came to take over, whoever came to fight at that time, they left a bit of them on the different islands. And I every mean, island is different. Um, Barbados is completely different from Jamaica. Um, we eat totally different foods. I mean there is some overlap of course to rice and peace. But <laughs> um Caribbean cuisine is a melting pot of flavors. And you deal with uh Cuisine from the various islands in in, in what in what you yeah saw. I really t- I try to touch as as many islands as I could. Um, I, I try to visit most of them because um, no. it's, we don't really travel um, a, a lot in the Caribbean to other islands. We tend to come to Canada. We tend to go to the United States, and <laughs> we uh, we don't go to the other islands to really explore what they're doing. And they're all doing something completely different. So I try to touch on like Saint Lucia, where I um I have a a, a solution background as well. My grandmother's from there, and um, I, I I touch also the French West Indies. The French West Indies is a is a cuisine that is not even known um, the French West Indies is a cuisine that is mixed with French and basically West Indian and it's very very beautiful and after living in St. Martin for many years and going to places like Guadeloupe, Martinique, that's where I learned a lot about that cuisine and I was able to adapt it into vegan versions of um, you know like vegan recipes
0: that's really interesting so how do you find Caribbean food differs from like island to island like what are some of like the main distinctions
1: oh wow Um, some islands eat more root vegetables than others so (laughs) your (laughs) islands like say St Martin especially on the Dutch side they would not eat um, things like green banana sweet potato and those kind of things they would eat more of a north american diet because they're very new and also it has to deal with if there's any agricultural basis on those islands so if there's not a lot of agriculture on the island the island is going to depend on a big food import bill coming in from north america and that is going to you know be their cuisine and then they added like probably um animals to it and that kind of stuff but at the end of the day it's Mostly imported food, as opposed to islands that have more agricultural basis. That uh, uh, basis will eat more root vegetables. So, for instance, the Lucia eat um, uh, pe- uh, people in Lucia eat more root vegetables. than, say Barbados. Barbados is almost like a midway island. I would say an island where you do have the root vegetables, and you do have some agricultural basis, but not a lot. And not enough to sustain um, the island. So then you have that import from um from north america the influence from north america so you're going to see things like lasagna um coleslaw and those kind of things in the Barbadian cuisine and mac and cheese Uh, uh, which is totally um not um not caribbean as people people would think
0: ah okay so can you tell us about your uh background and like your history with veganism tell us more about yourself essentially okay
1: okay um well I I I was um when I was three years old. I I I lived in a city, but we even if you lived in a city, you had a backyard, and I had a connection with some chickens that my uh, my father would uh, would raise. And actually, he's vegan like ten years now. Wow. But yeah, he would raise chickens, and I would have a kind of connection. I couldn't eat them afterwards, so mm-hmm. I would not eat meat. When my mother used to try to put meat on my plate, I would always bring a plastic bag to the table at my very young age, and I would put it inside the bag and I would throw it um, over the um, the palin, as we call it in the Caribbean, like <laughs> over the fence of the next door neighbor. So I did that for um, over many years, and I always never liked meat. I always had a aversion a, a to it. Um, after I, I grew to that, and then I started to flirt with vegetarianism again, when I got 40 years old, and my father kind of always supported me. Um, He would give me like things like celery sticks with peanut butter, and it was vegetarian, so I had cheese at that time. Um, Then afterwards, I was at the University of the West Indies in Barbados doing my bachelor's in microbiology, and I remember... Working, um, interning at a, a, a meat factory. Basically, it was the place that processed meat, and um, I was working there over the summer developing products. And I just got so disgusted by the whole thing—seeing um, carcasses, seeing meat every day. I just decided, just you know what, I can't contribute to this anymore. I'm going to go vegan, mm. and it was overnight. It was an overnight thing, and I was, and I stuck to it. And then my father saw that I went vegan. I told my parents I went vegan. They were really, really supportive. They made all my food. We did a lot of research, and then my father came along with me in the journey, and um, he did it with me, so Mm -hmm. it was easier. Then my mom did it too, because, you know, two people. And, you know, I was the only child, so it was just three of us in the house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our household slowly became vegan, and we started to adapt um, our meat recipes and started to, to veganize them in a sense. That's
0: order, really cool. Uh, from 2006. Wow. Yeah, so 2006. So it's been 12 years now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh... <laughs> Twelve years ago, I feel like I wasn't even vegetarian. Like I had been vegetarian in two thousand four for like a year, but it was really
1: hard back then. And like it was different. It was so different. We didn't have cheese that you can buy in the supermarket, and even if we did, it didn't taste that great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember things like soy granules that when you put the hot water in it, it smelled really weird. Um, I, I was I was a vegan in those times. Um, but I was a vegan in the time that it, things were turning. I remember following um, uh, authors like Julie Hassan, and I, I started to like like look at her videos because she used to have these videos on Facebook and on her thing. And I would watch her like bake cookies and stuff like that. And that's how I started to cook from not only her, but... The, the vegan bacon, like bacon with oh, eggs and that kind of thing. I started to like look at other chefs and what they were doing, and she was a really good influence. I really loved her um, her shows on um, online. And um, yeah, but it's it's easy to veganize Caribbean food. I mean, once you have the flavors, once you have the seasonings, yeah. you just are you just basically. You, the hardest thing is to just try to get about a texture. Uh, for us, um, fish eaten in the Caribbean is very cultural, and that's something that I really explored in um, Caribbean Vegan, where I took something, um, a tropical fruit called sour Um You can find it here in Canada at both Asian markets. It's not jackfruit. It's a, it's a, it's a tropical fruit. And basically I took the green version of that and I sliced it, took out the seeds and then I soaked it in salt water and then covered it with nori and Caribbean seasonings, like the Barbados season, like the jerk season, mm-hmm. and then fried it and it has that texture of fish. And what wow. people in the in that in the not the island, in the in South America, in Guyana did was oh, yeah. that they started to um, to eat that when their rivers were poisoned, so they adapted to um, changes in their environment and that's something that people can use that fruit um, that, um, that tree that tree in the caribbean is easy to grow the so way are people not doing it we have issues already like sustainability issues in the fishing industry and people are not really taking note of that and if yeah. you can have the same flavor that you so miss why not do it you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. We, i definitely agree with you there. yeah yeah um so where are you based these days i'm here in toronto for now <laughs> how long
1: have you been here I'm, I'm 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 still here in toronto i'm on a little low these days i'm not really um cooking a lot i did have some cooking classes at long but those are on pause for right now um i will be at the uh veg fest for sure this year again as usual um, doing um you know taking up um, doing uh demo called pumpkin everything uh, pumpkin is coming uh, pumpkin season is coming very soon and i wanted to showcase how we in the caribbean use pumpkin and you know adapt it to fall so ah. can look forward to that that's pretty cool mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah i'm uh, i'll put in uh, in the show notes uh, for people uh when your demo is so that they can make sure to schedule that out yeah uh, cool. as well that's good um so uh the next thing here i have uh in caribbean vegan you you had set out to change how people perceived caribbean food and make a distinction oh. clear between like rasta slash uh ITAL food and caribbean food do you think that perception has changed or no,
1: no. <laughs> it hasn't changed yeah. uh, people i mean i did some festive i did the, the spring market this year mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah the you were there market. with your mac and cheese yeah yeah
1: exactly and um some people still think that okay I, I told food came out of the Rastafarian movement mm-hmm. and it's because they didn't want to eat anything with eyes or mother and they wanted to have good energy going into their bodies they wanted to eat life and not death um the um, Rast- and, and that came out of a, a different things, political movements, everything with the Rastafari. There's also a lot of rules when it comes to eating idle food, like not cooking with salt and using other things to bring salt to the dish. And and if you are cooking with salt it's not idle. Oh really? Okay. And if you're cooking with certain utensils like like like, uh, like like metallic pots it's not idle. It's not orthodox idle. Mm-hmm. Idle food is found in the forests in the Caribbean you know you can find them cooking that on um, you know on clay pots and that kind of stuff kind of stuff and stuff, there, stuff there. it has been it has become adapted in a sense for the modern world sûr, of course we have to do that but i took so food is food is, is, is vegan and not cooked with salt so it's very simplistic and they and and, and they do get very adventurous i remember i saw this guy in barbados he was doing a kind of a pie, and it it, re- it really was very tasty. It tasted like cheese. He didn't even use nutritional yeast sure in it. I don't know how he did it, <laughs> but it was really good. But you can taste the food, and it has no salt. And I that's a, a taste you have to adapt to after eating idol. I see. Uh-huh.
0: So for those who don't really have that much experience with Caribbean and... Uh, idle food what are like the main differences that you want people to know about caribbean food and like caribbean, makes it?
1: Well, well caribbean vegan food what i i i pen in caribbean vegan it's just vegan versions of existing west indian dishes and and i think even we're in 2018 now uh, I, I still think that people don't know what caribbean food is It hasn't been explored uh, in a way that I would have liked it to. I mean, you can find a lot of avant-garde things in the restaurants when you go to the islands, but I just think it it still is very limited. Like, when you go to even a regular um, Caribbean restaurant here, it's not inventive enough. It's very traditional, bare bones. and that's why a lot of people don't get excited about Caribbean food because I've been there, done that, okay, I had the rice and peas, I had the, you know, whatever, but... People don't really see the beauty of it. And, and a lot of the Caribbean uh, restaurants don't, like, cook a lot of root vegetables, which is a core of a lot of West Indian dishes. Mm. They don't do it. They just stick to rice because it's cheap. And maybe that's what they know. You know, I don't know.
0: Are you planning on opening up a Caribbean vegan restaurant in Toronto at all, maybe?
1: <laughs> I would love to, but, um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's I would love to. Um, in my heart, I would love to, but it's, it's not... In, in reach for me
0: right now yeah I get that it's, yeah. it's tough in Toronto uh, okay so you mentioned that you were vegan before uh, like a lot of the popularization uh, that yeah. you seen now so with the rise of social media yeah. and the growth of veganism through then how do you think veganism has evolved or like what are some key changes that you've seen
1: well, I take a back seat on social media. I'm not, I'm barely on social media anymore. Maybe because I'm getting older. I don't know what it is, but I've taken a step back as a doer and now I've become an observer. Um, you mean how, you mean, um, you're asking me how it changed? Or like, what, from, from your perspective. When I was vegan? Oh, yeah. wow. It, it's changed. It's evolved so much. I mean, um, from smartphones evolving to, you know, to, like, from Nokia's to what we have now. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, um, it's it's amazing. People know why it is. There's nobody like I, I bet if you ask five people if they know what a vegan is, like four or five people would know. But then only one person would have known or zero. <laughs> yeah, but people have a awareness of why it is. Um, people know the benefits of it for their health. Mm-hmm. People um, are are excited about it, people that even are, are omnivores that want to be vegan are excited. So I actually find more, like, like when I teach classes, most of my classes have omnivores that are looking for vegan recipes, are looking to find out how to cook vegan. So the interest um, worldwide is um, increasing
0: yeah I think that's just really interesting, and like I've always been the type of person that uh encourages people like you don't have to de- you know define yourself as vegan, but if you are making like you know every one meal makes a difference, right so, yeah yeah,
1: one meal makes a difference and, and that's something that I preach a lot um you know people could be very very hard on people and people that could be very discouraging, but if you could just motivate people and encourage them, they can't they would make the change on their own, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So switching switching gears here, um, as a person of color myself, I find that a lot of visibility uh, for people of color can be difficult in the vegan movement. And as a person of color, like, would you like to weigh in? Or, like, do you have any, like...
1: Experiences as a vegan? Yeah, sure. Um, I have lots of experiences. But um, people never associated... A person of colour to be vegan especially from the Caribbean like what What are you going to eat? <laughs> that would be the question that they would ask you and um it, 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 it was always hard to assert myself as a vegan I was always questioned a lot about it from um, from people that were not of colour um, so I always felt like I had to prove myself more um, especially even going into a vegan restaurant and um server explaining every little thing to me and then not explain every little thing to a white customer so Hmm. it's almost like this person can never be me. wow you understand and Hmm. those are the kind of experiences that i had over the years um back in 2010 2006 you know going to new york city and, and, and and dining out those were the um those kind of issues people still think that um, we, a um, uh, person of color, is going to eat culturally, no matter what. So it's, it's 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 there is a visibility there. People are 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 trailblazing. The others have went on to do a lot of social media. I'm not good at social media, so I've I've always failed at it. I'm good at what I do, which is cook yummy stuff, and that was it. <laughs> so, um, I just think that there's n- not the there's uh, awareness now. Uh, I think they had a Black Vegan Festival in um, America the other day in Brooklyn.
0: Really? Oh, that's it, so cool. Yeah,
1: they did. They, yeah, they did this summer. And um, that was interesting. I didn't get to go, but there were a lot of um, pictures and stuff on social media about it. Wow, that's and incredible. There is a awareness because more and more people of color are actually adapting their cultural diets and being vegan. But the problem is that you don't want to give up your culture too. A culture is very near and dear to your heart. Culture Mm -hmm. is in your heart what home is at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people of color at the beginning of the movement, say back in 2006, they were afraid and they didn't have the knowledge to do those things, know their recipes so they can adapt things like cauliflower wings that they call it (laughs) and all those other stuff. They, you know, they can see stuff now that they used to eat before. But uh, before then, there wasn't a lot of, even a lot of books and resources for people of color or cultural cookbooks that people could have been vegan. So we're going to ask somebody of color to change how they eat and change. It's, it's going to be hard because food is culture at the end of the day. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm totally with you there. Yeah, so I'm Vietnamese in my background. And, like, a lot of Vietnamese food is focused on seafood and fish and fish sauce and... Uh, being a Vietnamese person and you know telling people that I'm vegan, they're like, "But what about fish sauce? But what about this? But what about that?"
1: Yeah, yeah it's yeah, really yeah. hard it's, to like. It's, it's always a struggle. Yeah, and and you know it's it's a struggle from people in your community, but but it's also you feel a little like not included in the mainstream uh, movement because you also see a lot of um, people of color faces like, in campaigns, uh, partnerships. It's just it's 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 still it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. it's still a problem people you know it's it's, it's only if you, you, um, you're a big big celebrity that you get those corporate sponsorships but you don't really see a lot of people of color doing those things
0: yeah it's true yeah. so for as as a person of color what would be something that you would uh, say to someone who is out there who's struggling to um, be willing to not like distance himself from the culture to go vegan but you know go against the grain of their, their, their background. Hmm. Like what would you say? Okay,
1: right. Um, I, I think that in, in two thousand eighteen you have a lot of crutches now to hold on to you have a lot of things to piggyback off of. You yeah. don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. There is so much there's so much creativity out there that they can just jump onto the bandwagon. I mean if they're younger, I can imagine somebody in their teens and uh, having the influence of parents on them, like especially having influence of what on, on what they're going to eat for dinner, mm-hmm. is that that is a big uh, a big problem and it can cause a lot of depression uh, in teenagers and a lot of fear and, and it can cause a lot of deterrence as well. Um, it starts with the home, so I think that the parents should get on board too. And also mm-hmm. there's a lot of propaganda that you're not going to get enough protein. I mean, how many yeah. times do we hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, like, it's funny, too, because in a, in so many cultures, like, there are so many plant-based proteins that are already very popular, like, beans, peas, even rice has protein, soy. Right, right, pork. exactly. Everything,
1: like, adds up, and, and you can get that 20 grams that you're aiming for so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um.
0: So, uh, you're going to be at VegFest. You have your second edition of the Caribbean Vegan Cookbook. What are other things that people can look forward um, from you? Well,
1: I'm taking... oh uh, uh, Hiatus from cooking. I've, I didn't really say that on in, in public in social media, but I am taking a brief hiatus from um, cooking professionally. Okay. So this, and <laughs> I, I, nobody has heard it before. This, um, this time here will be not the last time, but the last time for now that I will be cooking in public. Oh. Okay. So don't be, um, don't be discouraged. Sometimes we all um minds minds we need to reboot. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was um there, um after moving here to Toronto, I faced a lot of personal struggles, especially in a big city. I um, when I was living in uh, Barbados, I didn't have um, those struggles because I had the the love and help of my parents. And then when I got married to my husband who was vegan for 20 years um <laughs> that was easier too because you know you always had somebody there um moving to run it um by myself was the, the one of the biggest struggles i faced this year and um i want to take a step back but i am working on a vegan novel oh so yeah and and and, and that hasn't been like, you already see a lot of vegan novels uh, it's called the year of Young and i hope that it should be out by next um winter um, I'm, I'm going to finish it. It's, it's basically about a woman that lost her job. She lost everything. And then she went back to the kitchen, the place that she felt comfortable with. And then she created a vegan empire. So there's lots of friends. There's a, farmer mar- um, there's a farmer's market vibe. So there's a lot of things that are really current now in our society that I'm, I'm covering with this, uh, this character. That's incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: So how, how long have you been in Toronto now?
1: I've been here since last May. Okay. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, um, and, and even as a somebody that, like, may want to find a job cooking, uh, most of the jobs you'll find cooking are in meat based kitchens, and I wouldn't do it. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I, I, and even if I tried it for a little while, it didn't work out because I was just, I'm not inspired and I don't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get no, that. No, I totally get no. that. Yeah.
0: Once you, once you experience, like, the freedom of, like, cooking what you want and, you know, being yeah. creative and figuring all that kind of stuff. Yeah, out imagine
1: I'm going back to a, doing a burger with cheese. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's no, no.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. So uh, where are the best places that people can, like, find you? Uh, you said you're not really on social media, but I think I saw you had, like, Facebook.
1: Um, I have Instagram still. It's just at Tamar Mason. I'm refreshing my Instagram. I took off all the posts, and I'm going to start posting leading up to a VegFest. Okay. Uh, because I, I I want new content. I was tired of the old content on it. I just wanted to fresh start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put stuff on there. P a y m e r Mason. Okay. So follow me there. I, I it's empty now, but I'll put I'll start putting stuff within the next week to do some promotions. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you want to get the book, you can get the book from the resource center there in Baldwin Street, or you can get it at Veg Fest after my demo. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the time of my demo, but I know it's on Saturday evening and um you can get the book there and then you have the bookshop the um, the Toronto vegetarian bookshop that everybody can get that book you know at so yeah uh
0: so that's incredible uh thank you so much for your time today um your your background and your history with veganism and Caribbean cuisine and like your the fact that you're like a microbiologist and you worked in like uh I mean it was like a like a a meat production thing yeah I worked in the meat industry for like
1: two years (laughs) but like that just prior to going vegan yeah (laughs)
0: but that just explains like you know uh your your knowledge and like how much you know about food so like and and i actually was one of the volunteers for your demo i think like three or four years ago
1: i remember i know who
0: i'm talking to oh <laughs> um, <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. but yeah it was like super super good so uh it's really exciting to talk to you today so thank you again for uh thank
1: you for having me guys and i you know i'll see you um in the next couple of weeks at veg yeah, yeah nice talking sure. to you all right take care okay
0: bye bye all right, so that was Tamer Mason. Um, I'll leave all the uh, the links that she talked about, and as well as some links to her cookbook, um, in the show notes down below. Um, but yeah, it's just like really cool to see um, someone who's been like like an OG like vegan, just still 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 kicking it and doing lots of like amazing stuff and cooking, and like the food that she makes is just like so damn good. So yeah so that's about it that wraps up our podcast today uh you've been listening to veg out the toronto vegetarian podcast and radio show heard on cjru 1280 am the scope remember you can listen to past episodes of veg out on our app the veg guide you can email feedback to tva at veg.ca and you can find more information about what we do at veg.ca so until next time veg out